Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The Match Ball. Hello and welcome to the show. 10% off your legal fees with Levi Solicitors. LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. You can get early access to the match ball on TSB plus our brand new subscription service that gives you full access to all the digital magazines, discounts on specials and a daily email as well. Look it up full details, the squareball.net forward slash plus. My name is Dan Moylan. Hello with me, Michael Normanton. Hello. Moscow White's here as well. Daniel Chapman. Hello. Is it going to be like this every week? <laughs> it's all a bit much. I would say. Why can't we just have a nice? Well, that that was looking nice at four one. I thought this is this is lovely. Nice, nice gentle home introductions to the Premier League. It felt right beating Fulham in the Premier League. Like, I don't know in the Championship they seemed more of a a terrifying proposition because we were stuck there. But getting to what I consider to be our level in the Premier League, I thought, oh, we'll we'll beat him here, and then we were, and then I mean we did. But Christ, it was hard work. Yeah, I don't mind a four three when it's a. Uh a ding-dong battle or um, a glorious Leeds United comeback. But a team coming back at us is uh, is not the way forward. Did you enjoy losing to Liverpool 4-3 more than beating Fulham 4-3? <laughs> yes, weirdly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it did, strangely. I felt, I think there was, this was, as we identified, a must-win game. We were already, I was watching the BT coverage before and it was Chris Sutton was saying Fulham are already down after one match, which is, ridiculous by any standard but he was saying yeah they're gone they're gone to Fulham there's no way they're going to stay and then I think probably at 4-3 he was thinking eh, maybe they've got maybe they've got a chance but this it felt a little bit like a return of that pressure which we don't particularly like which is ridiculous in the second game of the Premier League season I mean I have seen a lot of concern about what games like that will will do to us I think what it could do to us if we let it is make the season really fun because we're not going to get relegated if we can play as well as we played going 4-1 up and even as well as we played at 4-3 to stop them from equalising. So we can be pretty sure, I think, this season is just a case of how high up the table we finish. So if every game along the way is either a 4-3 win or a 4-3 defeat, that'll be fun, won't it? It reminded me a little bit, that patch of the second half where they were all over us, it reminded me a bit of the Cardiff game from last year where we were... We had a massive lead and it felt like we were taking the piss and in danger of winning by five or six. And then all of a sudden, we just completely lost our heads and we, we couldn't get hold of the ball. Except in this, we actually did manage to to turn it around. And the last 15 minutes or so, we're 
pretty comfortable actually. I don't I can't recall them creating any brilliant chances in there. And we had a lot of the ball, admittedly not creating any clear cut chances with it, but we almost were. It felt like we were on the edge of their box a lot and then we were just holding up in midfield. It was quite bitty with loads of free kicks and stuff. So we maybe we've improved from last year because if we're taking the Cardiff as the game as the comparison, we did manage to properly fuck that one up. Whereas with this one, we just almost did. I have an off-the-cuff theory that only just springs to mind since you mentioned the Cardiff game, so I'm literally inventing it on the hoof. But we struggled against Fulham today after they brought two substitutes on and started attacking us. and we, We lost the flow of the game against Cardiff after they brought Lee Tomlin on and started attacking us. I think it's... We lose our way a little bit when an opposing manager or opposing players just decide, you know what, we're getting battered here, fuck it. And they just go like all out at us with the sort of lineup they would never start a game with and the sort of tactics that if they tried to go against us for 90 minutes with, they'd get picked off. You know, we would we would beat them easily. But they can pull out a 20 minutes or a half an hour where they are taking more risks than is sensible against Marcelo Bielsa's Leeds United, but using that time to cause us problems that we struggle to cope with. I think the thing for me that's confusing me, maybe this is what's causing me the stress, is that everything we've seen from the last two years in these two games seems to have kind of, it's not gone out the window necessarily, but we've kind of, we've flipped the script in that we've become massively efficient in front of goal. So I'd like to know if you've got it handy, the stat there, what the XG was for today's game. But we've become massively efficient. Like we're seeing Bamford looks like he's going to be free scoring this season where he was always frustrating last season. But we've also become really kind of wobbly and all over the place at the back. And I think it's just taking time for my brain to assimilate itself with this new normal. And the XG stats, I do have them 1.41, Fulham at 1.66 today, actually. So they were marginally ahead of us, which... I mean, it could have been a draw, I suppose. Penalties distort that, though, don't they, for this game? Well, but one each, though, so surely they cancel each other out. Yeah, but it would mean the number would be lower without them. Yeah, very true. I don't know what's going on today. I mean, the defence side of it is obvious because we've got a new player in there and admittedly Fulham are a championship team last year, but it's a, it's a tougher league and we've got a new player in there and it's taking him time to adjust. I mean, he's on that XG, he's contributed like about two to our XG against in the last couple of games, hasn't he? Which was a shame because I thought he did all right today, did Cock. I don't, I don't think, other than that tackle, which was a bit ridiculous, I don't think he did a huge amount wrong. Um, and it, there's signs in there that I think he'll be good for us, but it's he's not had any time to adjust, has he? Last last year we had Ben White, who was obviously new, but then he was, he'd had how many weeks of pre-season to settle in and a load of murder ball sessions and seven or eight friendlies, I suppose we must have played. He probably didn't play in all of them, but there were loads of games and time for him to actually settle into the squad whereas Cock has not had any of that he's just come in and straight from international break into the first team and then a week of training and then back into this I think at the other end you've got to look at Fulham's defence because they have their new goalkeeper that signed Real Madrid's bench warmer which is always a, a risky tactic so he was in net for them and then their right back had only played in the League Cup for them he's another one they've they've got in from the, the French League uh, Tet. I think he's called. He's left behind his uh, his twin brother, who's also called Tet. He used to be a tete-a-tete whenever they were on the pitch. I've been itching to do something with that since I saw his name. It was pronounced Tete on the commentary, I would say, but never mind. Well, I mean, we'll come to the commentary at some point, I'm sure. 
But the at least I think two of our goals came down that side, didn't they? The one where Melier's clearance was well, his precise pass was nodded on by Jackie Harrison, and we went down the, the wing and scored. Click his uh, through ball to Bamford. Bamford was coming from that side, and the the right back Tet had. I think it was Stuart Dallas was outside of him, or it might have been Jackie, but he had. You know, there were players coming through both sides of him and he couldn't deal with it. And where's the other one? Maybe was he supposed to be marking Costa at the corner for the the um, the first one and it's only the penalty was uh, Joe Bryan, who I think he was just so excited about scoring a penalty, he thought he'd give us a chance to do one as well. He didn't score the penalty, did he? He won it. That's what happened, yeah. He was giddy about winning penalties all over the pitch. So there's... It, it fits a little bit with what I was saying before the start of the season or, and even hoping before the start of the season that all these teams with no proper pre-seasons who are signing players and chucking them straight into the, the team, it's loosening up some of that kind of tactical rigidity that if you watch the kind of the that Germany versus Spain match that we all watched to see Rodrigo versus Koch and it was just kind of, it was deathly dull because it was just, two formations inching around the pitch at each other. We've actually got, you know, mistakes and people not knowing what they're doing and people taking random punts and kind of it's it relies on the the players and the the goals that we saw today. Click to Bamford was beautiful. Click doing his radar around the pitch until he sees Bamford making a, a clever run. And uh Bambo with his right foot. Again, two right footers in the, in two weeks now. So he's uh, he's completely changed. Yeah, so I think there's a we're not looking at the best prepared set of teams in the Premier League at the moment. I think that definitely applies to Rodrigo, who you sort of saw flashes of inspiration and really intelligent movement, but he was that just little bit off the pace, wasn't he? He got caught on a couple of occasions, so it wasn't a complete surprise to see him replaced at half-time because I think Tyler Roberts in that second half did offers I was going to say a bit more stability but then again you saw what happened in the second half but you know what I mean we seem to be a bit more kind of Bielsa-ish in that um in that second half I did feel sorry for Rodrigo because presumably he's been play he plays up front during the week I would guess in training and then he wasn't meant to be playing at all in this game and then I don't know how long before kickoff was it like half an hour before kickoff or something he's been he's told he's in and he's out of position and he's replacing our most important player creative player so it is asking a hell of a lot of him. And I didn't think he was doing too badly. I know I saw some some criticism on, online that it was he sort of was all over the place. But there was there was enough in there that I think you can tell he's good. He's just it wasn't really the game for him to play it, I don't think, he, when you've when you have no time to prepare for it. There was a little bit of that against Hull in midweek where he'd he'd make some space for himself beautifully and you could see, you know, he's a Thirty million pound player right there, and then he'll play. What's a good pass? But it's not a pass that any of the other players were were looking for. And there was a an element on Wednesday night that he's with quite a young team around him who weren't on his wavelength. And then um, I think an element this afternoon where yeah, he's not got used to what the other players want anymore. I think when we were talking about um, tactical innovations, the fact that his uh, his place at number 10 was taken by Tyler Roberts and then by Johnny Alioski as a destructive 10, just sent there to sort of play behind Tyler Roberts, but just run at people and 
annoy the fuck out of them, seems to be his instructions, actually played a big part in our um, holding the last 20 minutes out. He put us on the front foot because, you know, we just had a maniac instead of a, a thoughtful passer. I must admit, I did not expect him to come on and play where he did because we were getting done a bit down the left-hand side. I assumed he was going to come on there to show that up and maybe offer a bit of like a, almost be a second fullback to help Dallas out. But nope, just playing more or less as a forward and just running around like a lunatic. But yeah, did well. There is an air of lunacy about that substitution, but that's Bielsa for you. It's brilliant, isn't it? What was the problem today? I mean, I think we should probably go through the goals one by one. We'll do that in the second half. But before we get there, what was the problem today? Was it that they were closing us down high up the pitch again? Because we seemed very sloppy, I think, in that defensive third. I thought Calvin was a little bit out of sorts today and we were sloppy trying to get it out. I mean, we kept trying to play our game, I think. Credit to us in that regard, but we gave it away far too many times. Did we win? <laughs> yes. Yes, we did. Okay, that's right, because the, you know, the, the tenor of of all that sounded like we were analysing a, a terrible defeat. Carry on. I think where it went wrong a bit, Anguissa in midfield for them, I thought was very good. I thought he had the, the beating of us at certain points in the game, not all of it. Because I think, weirdly, I thought Calvin and Click both had good games for parts of it, but then there were bits where they, they couldn't seem to get near them. It was really odd. It was a... It wasn't a game of two halves. It was a, a game of four quarters of something and we lost a couple of them. I'm not quite sure what the exact fractions of it are, but there were just bits where we sort of mysteriously lost control of the game that we'd previously looked completely in control of. But on the plus side, we're finding that the Premier League, and it's strange, isn't it, what you said there about playing Fulham, who we played in the Championship not so long ago, but today did feel like a Premier League game in that it's almost like a non-contact sport now, isn't it? When you're in the Premier League, I think it probably suits Bielsa's football a wee bit and the, the attacking way in which we play. That The opposition know that they can't rough houses as much now as you could get away with in the Championship because VAR's on it. The refs are far more strict, I think. So I think that's, that's a positive. And we seem to be finding little pockets of space and just little nice bits of time in order to pass these balls. And it's maybe facilitating as being that, that bit more clinical. I don't know. What, what do you think? The penalty looked like it was... Uh sort of us getting one back for Ben White being penalised for blowing on Bobby D. Cordova Reed last season. Because, you know, there was only a light little push on Bamford and there's probably something to it. I think the referees do their sort of closed season kind of lecture tour, don't they, where they go to the clubs and tell them what will be expected this season. You get all the edicts about what VAR will and won't be doing, what's, what's allowed and what's not, and it will in your heads a little bit and you think well I can't make this tackle obviously not Robin Cox's head because he's well up for his sliding tackles um, no matter what anybody says and he loves his handballs and he will not be stopped <laughs> but the rest of them are kind of uh, yeah there may be some caution it was always kind of um, it became a little bit of a, a cliche around Helder Costa that you know he'll, he'll have more space in the Premier League and he'll, he'll look like a different player but there he is in the Premier League with um, what seemed like hours at the back post for his first one just to uh, volley it in off the crossbar. And then plenty of time. I mean, two were both beautiful finishes and both really good goals. And that's two really good games that Helder Costa's had so far. Yeah, I think he's been better in these two than I think he was in any of the games last year. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let's go through the goals then, because there were plenty of them again. But just before we get to that, you were talking about Real Madrid reserve keepers there. No sign of ours today. Do you think there's something in that in response to uh, what happened during the uh, midweek? Foot injury, isn't it? Well, that's what's being reported anyway. I've no reason to disbelieve it. Self-inflicted, maybe with a gun, shot himself? <laughs> I think he just is injured, probably. I actually do believe him on this. If we've, It's an odd time to take a, to suddenly have a, a strong stance on Kiko Kassir, I would say, after everything that's gone on. Just accept it. Oh, well, the, the racism stuff was fine and the, some of the stuff he did in when we were trying to get out of the league was was, you know, that was all right too, but losing a cup tie to Hull, absolutely unacceptable. Yeah, I think they've even pinpointed what happened. He played a pass to Alioski in the whole game. Alioski gave it back to him. The opposition player came from behind and tried to stop him, um, and he picked up a knock on his ankle. So Bielsa has not only said he's injured, but he's described the, uh, you know, the, the incident that injured him in exact detail. So it would be a preposterous lie if that wasn't the case. The goals then. Held Costa, a bit like Salah, picked out that top corner beautifully. Probably even harder than Salah's chance last week, I think. that one. What a great finish that was. He's a better player, Dan. Than Mo Salah? Yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely fine with that. Not going to argue with that. That was beautiful, wasn't it? And it was dangerous from set pieces again. Some hard kicking, wasn't there, at the end of it? That's how he scored that one. Because it was a difficult angle and the keeper was kind of at his near post already, but kick it really hard. Can't get near it. Well, Michael, it wasn't just some hard kicking. It was some hard kicking into the net. Correct. Yep, correct. We've seen the hard kicking, not the net. That's not as good. That's not what I teach people at my school. But um, Costa's had a, a few weeks of, of training with me and it's, it's worked. It's, you can see the rewards, I think. And then that penalty, the equalising penalty that Mitrovic took away, the uh, the slide from Robin Cock. As he was sliding for it, you thought, no, not there. And by the time the thought had processed, the referee had blown I mean, the replay, you could argue it was inconclusive, but he definitely touched him, didn't he? Even though he was trying to ahem, pull out. I mean, he was and he was trying to pull out and Brian was trying to be touched. He sort of stopped his run a bit and made sure his legs went towards him so he'd get some contact on it. But it's what always happens. You, it's a stupid slide. Don't slide there. There's really no need. Yeah, he, he tried to get out of it at the last minute, but the... Um... The Fulham cheats was already diving, so it was too late. 
And then thankfully their um, level terms didn't last for too long, went up the other end. Bamford was horrifically assaulted with that violent punch in the back from uh, the same gentleman who, who bought that penalty at the other end. It's lucky you didn't end up in the south stand, the strength of that push. It was, uh, it was you're sick, it's sickening. You don't want to see that, do you? Kids were watching that. I imagine we'll see a, a photograph of the injury later and it'll be, um, it'll be on a par with Marco Silvestri's horrendous back injury that we once saw. Hopefully it'll be one of those where, you know, you have to, you have to press to actually see it. This, the picture will be hidden because it's so distressing. And then Paddy Bamford put us even further in the lead. And this was what a beautiful goal, as you mentioned there in the first half, Moscow. An absolutely fantastic ball and a nice finish for him as well. It's, it's, I'm really pleased for him. We know we gave him enough stick on the match ball last year for not being clinical. And so far, two out of two. And he's looked absolutely on it. As I wrote for the back page of the, the new issue of the square ball, we can expect 38 goals from him this season. And I wrote that before today's game. So a goal a game. That equals 38. Anything less, failure. No, it's, I feel um, you could almost spoil describing how good his finish was because you have to pay attention to how good the pass was. But then uh, we've not actually mentioned how good Matt Click's penalty was. So if we just stick to talking about the assists, I think Bamford gets all the credit for the next goal. And we... Um, and we just don't talk about how the cost is finished on that one because we talked about his finish for the first. It's like that two Ronnie sketch where we, instead of answering the question that was asked before, we just talk about the assists. <laughs> Info goal has probability of 5% on that Bamford chance. Even they think he's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> it's not based on the person. Costas was 7%. Uh, Costas second one, 10%. Ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, the Bamford, I would have given it a better score than that or are more likely to have finished. I'm not saying it was easy, but it's the kind of, I think what pleased me about it is once he was on that ball, it's the kind of chance that a good striker tucks in the corner with like a little bit of curve on it. And that's exactly what he did. You know, I wasn't 95% shocked that the ball hit the back of the net as in for goal seemed to want me to be. I was pleasantly pleased that Big Bambo stuck it in the net again. And yeah, Costa's goal. Who was the assist there? We were saying that was Bamford as well, wasn't it? Good. So we've dealt with that one. It was. He was. He was like a big dribbling brute around the outside, down the left, strong as an ox and uh, as fast as a shark, and pulled the ball back. And I thought Fulham were gone at this point. Not only because it was four-one, but because of the way that ball just kind of rolled across the penalty area and they were all just going, oh no, one of them's going to hit and score, aren't they? So they didn't even try to block it. And there was Helder Costa, but we can't talk about what, what he did. At that point though, four-one up, thinking this is brilliant. We're cruising this. And rather blithely from the um, the square ball account, I did um, a tongue-in-cheek tweet about free scoring leads making this division look like a piece of piss, something along those lines. But um, we did make heavy weather of it for a, for a spell anyway after we'd, uh, after we'd gone 4-1 up, then pulling those two back. I mean, that, that marking for Mitrovic is not great. But then again, it was, all the work was done down the right, wasn't it, down our left? And obviously, Bobby Reid. Could Melier have done better with that? Uh, it's, I don't really think so. It's difficult. It's a bit like, it was kind of like, like the Bamford one, wasn't it, where it was a shot across the keeper. I, I wouldn't expect the keeper to save that. Some shots go in. I think when talking about goalkeepers, that gets forgotten sometimes. The problem with uh, 
Kiko Casilla often that he inherited from Bailey Peacock Farrell is that he would just sort of watch them go in. I'm reassured by Melier's propensity to actually dive towards a ball, even if he can't stop it. I feel like we're, we're gradually building our way towards having a, a good goalkeeper in that sense. But no, it wasn't one where I particularly looked at the goalkeeper. I was looking more at you know Liam Cooper being dragged out of position and Calvin Phillips not being on his man and then it was the pass was in behind Stuart Dallas wasn't it and just you know and that's something that happens as well is you do just get those moments when all the defenders are are out of alignment and an attacker goes through otherwise every game would be nil nil wouldn't it so it did happen it just it didn't it's it's happened more often this season than it happened to us last season nil nil is that allowed to happen then is that in the rules very rarely it leads i was going to say when was our last nil nil i actually can't remember Someone's going to someone's going to point out it was like second to last game of last season now, but I can't remember. We did it with uh, Gary Monk at Hillsborough last season, didn't we? It was one of the most. Uh, yeah. Everybody, we were talking about this on the the main podcast, weren't we? That last season feels like a non-stop party, but I can remember that being absolute deathly afternoon watching terrible football, and I think that was only the second time we'd had one of those bloody Gary Monk. Blame him. Regarding Gary Monk. Are they still going Sheffield Wednesday? What are they? What league are they in? Yeah, they're they're in like a some no man's land, aren't they? At the moment, I think they're still they're, they're less than the Championship, aren't they? Because of their point deduction. Did they win today? I don't. I've not, I don't really check in on the Championship. Let's have a little look. Oh, they drew. They drew nil nil again. They drew nil nil at home to Watford because they're pathetic. And yes, they are bottom of the league on minus eight points. They've got all the creativity that they uh, signed by getting Izzy Brown on loan. The bottom of the league is quite funny, actually. Also on there, play two, one non-Forest, play two, one non-Huddersfield. Same for Barnsley, same for Derby. Middlesbrough down there in 18th. They've got one point from the two games. Colin was did his team talk by Zoom, didn't he, today? So anyway, let's not talk about the championship. It's a, it's a pathetic league that we're not in anymore. We're in the Premier League, aren't we? I mean, we're going to win it, I think, aren't we, at this rate? Where are we in the league? I've not seen a table. The games are not, not nothing's kicking off at three o'clock, is it? Apart from our game, so it's it's kind of skewing it. But if we pretend no one else is going to play, we're ninth, which is a bit of a disappointment because we're just outside the European places. I mean, you're going to be disappointed if you're a Villa, Burnley, or Man City fan because they've got absolutely no points, no wins, no draws, nothing. Well, the Fulham and West Brom are the bottom two still, which is good going from. Mind you, Villa and Burnley and Manchester City haven't yet played, but when they do. They're going to be disappointed, I think. They're all firmly mid-table at the moment, so they'd probably be quite happy with that. I mean, I'd quite happily end the season now in ninth. I'd, I'd accept that. But we, we look all right, don't we? I mean, it, we've certainly got enough goals in us. I think that was always the worry when you come into into the Premier League is that we're not going to be able to um, to score enough. I think our profligacy last season worried me a little bit, but we've gone absolutely nuts. We've gone the other way now. But um, we'll see what happens in the transfer market, eh? I feel like the defence should be easier to fix and will naturally fix itself a little bit as well by the fact that Cooper's now fit and he can start playing alongside Cock on a more, well, hopefully more permanent basis and we can just develop a bit of solidity there. Whereas if you're not attacking properly, that is more of a concern for me. And the goalkeeper's new as well. So the whole middle of the pitch defensively around our own penalty area is players that weren't playing together last season and in Cock's case, there's only just turned up or Koch, as Robbie Savage started calling him before he somebody must have had a word and then he went for <laughs> just to 
It was like a cock. It was awful. Isn't that the village in Wales where he was born? And the two things I uh, we, I said we'd mentioned the commentary, so I'm, I'm going to. Robbie Savage's inability to deal with cock and then the absolute panic in his voice when he was trying to say who had scored Fulham's second goal because he has to slow down so much and then pronounce every vowel. We got into the Fulham commentators last season for the way they said that Bobby, they cooked out breed. But I would, I wonder if Robbie Savage is available to reprise the way he would absolutely race through the build-up, saying, "Oh well, he's run, he's run through into the penalty there," and then when he gets to his name, had to spell it out as if it was phonetic and he was four. He'd get to it and be like, "Well, he's run through there," and and Bobby D Cor Dover Reed, and he's done really well. There. It's like this real panic where he's, he, it's like. Um, when you used to do French exams at school and you'd be, you know, you'd have prepared quite well and then you get to one word that you just know you can't say, so you just have to pronounce it like Bobby de Cordova reads uh, J'aime dans la boulangerie. It was maddening. That and all the absolute nonsense, the fact that you knew absolutely nothing about Leeds United, which I think was a drawback for commentators. At the start of it, when he said it was Savage, I thought, oh, God, we've just got rid, of, we've got rid of Goodman and we've got Savage. Savage actually was, he's not as kind of bitter and annoying as Goodman in a lot of ways, actually. He's hes more of like a, how to describe him, he's like a, he's like a bit of a friendly simpleton, is Savage, in the commentary box, whereas Goodman's more of a destructive, angry sort of force for punishment in Leeds' case. He just, want, he just wants to see us red carded for everything and wants to see his free kicks given for the smallest things whereas Savage was just sort of lovably clueless Savage has got the spirit of a puppy hasn't he he doesn't know what's happening and it was it was telling how often he refused to answer Ian Dark's questions he would be something like well you know the we can see the the defensive lineup for Leeds United how do you think that's going to influence the game and there'd be a long pause and he'd sort of go I think Fulham's wingers having a good game it's like he had absolutely nothing to contribute on it, so he just came out with that. And there was a great minute as well where he kind of he did try to do a, a tactical thought, and he said uh, he was saying, "Oh, Leeds, the lining up there, they've got uh, they've got Liam Cooper in defence, and uh, obviously next to him is Robin Koch, and uh, and, and the fullbacks will be looking to get forward." <laughs> there was, no there, was never, there was never a conclusion to the thought. It was as if this was all going to mean something, but instead he just basically said, "Yeah, that's it." I'm done. There was, all, there was also a bit in the first half where he said Fulham had basically been passing the ball around in their own half for about 10 minutes. And he said, oh, Fulham are really coming into this game now. And you think, no, they're fucking not. They've, not. they've not been in our half for about the last 10 minutes. They've had the ball for some of the time, but they've not done anything with it. That's not coming into a game. Uh, how he's employed, I have no idea. I like this as well, Ian Dark, in uh, the 90th minute saying, it's just not in Leeds United's DNA to try and uh, do anything other than attack as Helder Costa got the ball and ran into the corner just to keep <laughs> it in the corner flag. <laughs> well, it looks like their DNA has mutated. Robbie, got an opinion on that? Yeah, my mother, she said they happened to they test you. Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> he also, I, think, I think Dark also reported on Click getting a booking as well as if Click gave it the tiniest fuck about it. He was like, oh, that's a bit disappointing that he's going to get the get a yellow card, thinking you don't know him. He's also he's also not going to get another yellow because it's not in his it's not in his way. He just he knows just how far to push it, and he's done it there, and he's had he's taken his yellow, and he, he'll do his time for it at some point if he has to. 
Right, heroes and villains then. Let's wrap it up with that. Some people who've done good and bad today. Well, I think Savage has got to be in there for his, his clueless commentary. Although, I mean, on balance, would you prefer him to Goodman? It's difficult, isn't it? I'd just like somebody good. I wasn't too keen on uh, Chris Sutton either. I mean, at least he wasn't tipping us to be relegated. When uh, Scum Keen is doing his kind of pantomime villain acts, people are still not quite sure because he's quite good at it. Whereas when Chris Sutton is there kind of smirking, saying, Fulham are down, you know he's just he'll be checking his phone the next he can to get, oh, look at my mentions. Well, they've all fallen for that one, haven't they? And it was so sort of obvious and calculated. It's very, um, it's very Adrian Durham, isn't it? Oh, yeah, talk sport vintage, very much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. BT Sport can have a, um, I don't know if they're heroes or villains for this, but the um, I think they must have had it on a, I don't think it was drone footage, but the aerial shots of Elland Road that they had all looked beautiful. It's looking great down there, but also it did sort of underline that we weren't there. I was kind of like, stop showing the streets around the ground and stuff because that's the part I'm missing. I can handle just watching the grass and a football match. I was saying it about Liverpool game, that it was such an absorbing, exciting victory that, you know, and well, no, we, we lost, unlike today when we were soundly beaten. Confusing world, the Premier League. But I could deal with just watching a match and enjoying it, whereas, you know, you could see the peacock out of shop and there's some cars in the car park that on Wesley Street that I walk through and you can see the, the route up to um, the terraces on the top, the Marleys. It was a little bit, yeah, cut away from that. Just show Bielsa again and say something witless about his bucket. Related to that then, Moscow, the new banners that we've got instead of the crowdies, whoever it was that signed off on those needs to go in the villainy because did you spot the one on the east stand to the left-hand side of the centre circle? It says, marching on together. They've put a full stop after the together. I don't feel like it needs it. That annoyed me. Also, every time is two words. Side before I know, self. I, did, uh, I thought that's what you were going to say, Dan. time. Yeah, no. and, that's a, and that one's got full stops in it as well. And you David Haig did those banners and he's done a good job. <laughs> it only took seven drafts to get it to the stage it's at. There's one that's just a hideous cartoon of Pamela Anderson that he drew himself that they've had to, uh, they had to remove from view. If Ron Villains as well, Dan, your daughter, because yep. we're recording this at like, you know, 8 o'clock. midnight. Although the, the benefit of that is that we can laugh at the fact now that Scum have lost 3-1 to Crystal Palace, which we can all agree is brilliant. But other than that, she's wasting everyone's evening. Yeah, went to TGI Fridays for a spot of food this evening and she got the cake. They can't sing happy birthday anymore because you're not allowed to sing. That's against the law. So they got, got a slice of cake, very nice rainbow cake with a candle in it. Did she eat it? Did she bring it home? No, she did not. We have a late entry for Hero, by the way. Obviously, it's... Um... Marcelo Biel. So people may well have seen this as a tweet before it gets to them, but it's just popped up for me. Graham Smith says that um, in his post-match press conference when talking about Pablo Hernandez's groin injury, uh, Bielsa used the term chichuigua. I don't know how to pronounce it. I feel like Robbie Savage. Chichuigua. When uh, when asked about Pablo's groin injury and then um, him and his translator sort of dissolved into a fit of giggles, um, the word appears to mean small, insignificant thing. So they were having a good laugh at Pablo Hernandez's penis. And I I like this new, relaxed, cock joke, obsessed Marcelo Bielsa. That's possibly, I mean, if it turns out that Robin Cock is, you know, not worth the £15 million we've spent for him and that he has only been signed just so that Marcelo Bielsa can do dick jokes, I'm absolutely fine with that. 
He's earned the right to do that, hasn't he? Oh, and another late um, uh, hero, although I've had this saved up for a while because I, I noticed coming on as a substitute today for Denis Lespore in the 64th minute, Heidi Sacco. He got a yellow card in the 67th and then he got sent off in the 68th. So he's had a good afternoon. And the best part of all this is that um, the app that was telling me this then a while uh, a while later gave his match rating. Apparently he got 5.7 for that. <laughs> Hadi Sacco, a man who played football in the same way as Robbie Savage commentates. Yeah, the algorithm the algorithm says that performance was better than 90 minutes of Paul Green. Let's wrap it up there. We'll have a proper think about heroes and villains when we reconvene and do the regular podcast at the start of next week. Thanks for listening to this one. We'll speak to you in a bit. The Match Ball. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.